Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's going on, my people? It's Pastor Jay Harris from the Ville Church. Ville Church, what's going on? I love y'all. If you are new with us and joining us for the first time, we love you too and glad to have you this morning. Listen, um, get your pens and your pads together for the sermon today because, um, you know, before I started working on preaching this sermon and uh, and I just was trying to figure out what I was going to preach about, I was just I, I really just asked God, I said, God, I really want to proclaim the gospel loud and clear today. And I've been having conversations with people where they have been feeling really discouraged concerning um just their faith, just even believing they're Christians anymore. You know, we are disrupted in the way we're able to meet as a church. There are so many different things and strife and contentions happening in the earth. And a lot of people are just in a place right now where they're just like, I don't know what's up or down anymore, right? And so I hope to help you find your footing this morning by preaching to you out of Romans 8. But this is going to be one of those sermons where like you're going to want to go back to. And when the devil starts whispering in the ear, like trying to condemn you, like I know what you did last summer playing those games with you. You're going to use this sermon to punch him in the face. Right. You're going to use this text here. So get your pens and your pads ready and we're going to jump in. We in the Florida sun right now. And I don't know if you know about the Florida sun, but this thing is relentless and, it, and, and it's hard. So I'm going to push through the sermon rather quick. All right. So let's get into it. And your Bibles go to Romans 8, and we're going to be jumping through verses 12, going to verse um, 18 on the text. I'm just going to read the first part of it and then jump into it. It says, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. We're going to talk about why you will die. It says, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we're going to start right there, right? So verse 12, we're starting from the top. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And as I said, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. What we want to know is what does it mean to live according to the flesh and why will you die? Right. Here's the thing. Satan's desire for you is to act is death. And he can accomplish this most effectively when with your incorrect good intentions um, to be a good person. So let me explain what I mean by that. Right. The Bible says that nobody comes to the Father but through the Son, Jesus Christ. And God is a righteous judge. So when we sin, there is actually judgment that must happen. The cravings of the flesh is that it actually will will actually prove itself to be righteous. Meaning that we have this thing where we're like, oh, I'm not going to be guilty. Even though the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God, we don't want to fall short. So our flesh tries to work to prove itself as good. So we establish these laws where we like, you know, I got a code, you know, I'm a good dude. But God is like, your laws fall short. They fall short of proving your righteousness and you will be judged for that. And the result of that is death. That is Satan's trick for you to lean into your own righteousness, into your own way. Right. On the other hand, God presents Jesus as the answer for the sickness of the world, which is sin. Right. And so we look inside of the word. It says so that, like there's no way to have a relationship with God in the present or to attain or to attain eternal salvation outside of the sacrificial substitutionary work of Christ. Do you get that? So looking back at this text, when we say, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It's saying if you lean on your own way, then the result of that will always actually be 
death. If you try to prove your righteousness through your works, through your actions, if it's not in your rest in the work of Jesus Christ, but in your own work and you're trying to attain it, death will be the result of that. And then in the next part of the text, it says, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Here's what's important here. Most people, when they read this text, what they see is put to death the deeds of the body. And what it translate in their, translates to in their mind is if I stop sinning, if I work really hard and stop sinning, then I'm going to live. Then God will be happy with me and I don't have to worry about dying. That's what it translates to. But that's not what the text is saying. It says, but it says, but if by, which is very important, you put, right? If by you put. So there's a means to you actually putting to death the deeds. It's almost like this right here. If by a credit repair organization, you fix your credit, you will have an excellent score. The concept is that this is that you don't actually fix your credit. You you by the means of another organization have your credit fixed to attain that outcome. And so in this text with my little silly example, but it's effective or whatever, if you pay attention to what I'm kicking, if by the spirit. You put to death the deeds of the of the body you will live is what this text is actually saying. So the emph emphasis is on the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Not your hard work to be good, but by being led, which leads us to verse 14. Verse 14 says, for all who are, and this is really big, led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The key word here is this right here, led. What it doesn't say is this. It doesn't say do. It doesn't say hard work. It doesn't say any of that. It actually says led, right? And if you rock with me for a minute, when we get in the next couple of texts, I'm going to actually explain to you more what it looks like to actually be led by the Spirit of God. But it says to be led. And verse 15 tells us this. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. What does that mean? What is it talking about when it says the spirit of slavery? So it's saying that these people who are led by God, and that they are the sons of God, it's reminding them, Paul is saying, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. What is he saying? What he's saying is this right here, is that this spirit of fear, this thing that makes us have to work to prove our righteousness, it's a cruel master. It's a cruel master. It demands that you better perform. It demands that you better work every day to actually be good enough. So when I was talking about, you know, the people I've talked to that feel condemned and they're wondering if they're a Christian or not, what, what is actually happening is they're, they're thinking about whether they're actually good enough. And it's torturing, right? I go through the same thing where I need to read the gospel over again and understand the goodness and the gift of God given to me through Jesus. Because when I don't do that, I start sitting around looking at Facebook, looking at things, hearing other people preaching online or whatever, telling me that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And before you know it, I'm sitting inside of condemnation going, man, God, I don't even know why you even mess with me because I, I, I really suck at this thing or whatever. And I'm, I'm just a failure. It's a cruel master. It brings you back to slavery of having to try to attain to something that you can't actually do. And it's fear. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. Hebrews 2, 14 says this. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power 
of death. That is the devil. And verse 15 says this, Hebrews 2. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. It's talking about the work of Jesus was actually a part of come, Jesus coming, setting us free, atoning for our sins, satisfying the wrath of God. Because on the cross, when Jesus died, the wrath that God has for all the sins of mankind were put on Jesus. And so when we have faith and we believe in Jesus, what's, what happens is we actually are delivered from the fear of death that we were subject to that was going to have us under a lifelong slavery. So now we're free indeed. You understand? First John 4 says it like this. It says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us. This is one of the things you need to hear if you've been feeling condemned. Because he has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in, in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Confidence, not fear of the day of judgment, but confidence. Because as he is so, as he is so, also are we in the world, in this world. And in verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Make sure you go back and look at this later. That's 1 John 4, 13 through 19. And what it is saying is that there is not fear in love. And so part of our growth and our sanctification and our relationship with Jesus is that we believe in Jesus more. So much so that we begin casting off fear, but we believe that we are actually adopted sons and daughters and that we are not inside of the house trying to attain sonship but we actually are heirs with god right they're gonna make me scream up here let's look at this next part real quick it says but you have received the spirit we're back in romans 8 it says but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father you as a child of god have received the spirit of adoption the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption because what it tells you, which I'll get into next. But it says, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, it what it does to us as the Holy Spirit is working in us, it makes us look at Father and not look at him like a cruel judge, but to look at him and go, that's daddy right there. Like I'm it, it gives us surety of us being a child of God. It's always pointing us to that. Right. This is this is example I always use. Right. Where you have kids who get adopted and they get brought into a new home and sometimes the effects you see is a kid has been inside a foster care for so long that when they come inside of a new house they have a hard time actually believing that they are now a son to this new family so there's this period there right there's this period of time where they are trying to earn their place because they may not want to go back to foster care and they may want to finally land in a place that they actually belong and we as christians function like that all the time where we function in this place where we're like, okay, I got to stay on my P's and Q's or whatever to make sure the Lord loves me or to earn it. And we start falling into this place where we are actually living and functioning out of the flesh. We're not, we're in slavery. We're not in peace and believing the promises of God through Jesus Christ. 
the way it looks for us is when we get adopted and brought into that new family, we know that we are sons so much so that we just act crazy and go and drink out the milk carton and everything or whatever, right? Because we are sure of our place. We actually have freedom. And as we believe more and more, we look to please God more because we love him and we trust him and we know that his word is true, but not because we are actually trying to earn our spot because the flesh produces death and our faith in Christ Jesus produces life. Y'all with me? I'm going to read a text for you real quick. Mark 14, 35 says, and going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This is Jesus right before he goes to the cross. And he says, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus sets his example in this text where he is about to ex experience something that is excruciating, but he shows us that he looks at as God as sovereign, king of kings over all things. And he says, Abba, Father, his relationship with God is that he is Abba, Father to him. Holy Spirit in that moment, what is it saying to Jesus? It's saying to die to himself for the will of God. It's proclaiming the sovereignty of God and his way is better than our way and calling for our surrender to his good will for us that are his children and for his glory. So look at this right here. Verse 16, it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. How does that happen? It says that we are children of God. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So how's the Holy Spirit bearing witness? And as I told you earlier, leading us. Number one, it always proclaims your righteousness in Christ. It always screams to you your forgiveness through Jesus. It always points us to the word of God. It always says Jesus is enough not that you are. It places you dead in the center of the war between your flesh and your spirit. That right there, that right there, what I just said is for everybody who's struggling, because some of you are in the middle of this war and the enemy is always trying to condemn you. But the fact that it even bothers you and that you struggle in it is actually showing that Holy Spirit is, is, is actually con uh, letting you know that you are a child of God. And number five, it places you dead in the center of the war between your flesh and the spirit. The craving for sin versus God's will for you. So this is for the people that I spoke to earlier. When you're dealing with the condemnation and you're feeling like, I just don't know whether it's up, down, or how well I'm going with this thing or whatever. And the enemy is constantly in your ear saying, you know, you're a fake. You know, you ain't what you say you are. But here's the thing. The spirit of God is actually letting you know you are a child of God because you have concern about your sin or you have concern about your status with God. The problem is, is that you are just focusing on the wrong thing. The word of God in Romans eight, if we go a little bit further up inside of the text, it says to set your your mind on the things of the flesh is death to set it on. Jesus Christ is actually life, right? The work of Christ, the promises of God. Here's the thing. When you are thinking about all your failures, the enemy is using that. He's putting the law in front of you. He's putting the work of the flesh in front of you. And he's putting something, a wall in front of you that you actually can't jump over. You, your flesh cannot please God. You can't work enough to please God. So what happens there is this right here. With Jesus Christ, he's already jumped over that wall for you. 
So either you think about the wall or you think about Jesus, Air Jordan, 360 slam dunk behind the back over the wall for you on your behalf. You get where I'm coming from? And so that begets freedom because now you are free indeed. You're not a slave that has to try to figure out how to climb over the wall. So my people who are out there who are struggling, you are adopted as a son and a child of God. The promises of God are sure and they are for you. I want you to know that if you don't know anything this morning. It's peace to set your mind over the one who jumped over the wall and not on the wall. And verse 17 says this. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So this takes you on to the whole futuristic. So right now you are adopted child of God, but you are also a heir of God. You understand? You are a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. All right. So we're going beyond the present. Right. So the Holy Spirit right now is posturing you in the now, but it's also telling you about your eternal status and your eternal status is that you are a child of God. The microphone moving. I don't care because we're going to get this thing preached. All right. It just is what it is. Whatever. Right. It's all right. We didn't do this to be cute today. We preaching this word. You are heir. You are a child of God. And then it tells you right here, it says, it says in the next part of that text, it says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's futuristic. This is about that endurance. This is about that endurance. And this is why this is so important. This is so important because we are getting beat up on right now inside of the church at times, right? We're, be, we're separated. You know the name of the game. You know the name of the game, the, the, the wolf, they divide up the flock and then they try to devour the flock. And so it's hard to have relationships and be encouraged the way we normally would. But let me tell you, God is sovereign king of kings and he rules and he reigns and he sits above us. And one of the things he did to love us is that he, is that he told us we must endure. In 2 Timothy 2, he said, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. I'm telling you Christians to endure. To not think about the flesh, but keep your mind on what gives life, which is Jesus Christ. And know that the Holy Spirit that lives in you is constantly telling you that you are adopted and you are a child of God, a sister, a daughter of God. And this Holy Spirit will empower you to endure. And I'm going to leave you with this last thing and then we jumping off. For I consider, it's verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So let me tell you this right here, to be revealed to us. What you're going through right now, as much as it may hurt, and I'm not trying to downplay that it hurts or it's hard, the season is rough and deep. But it does not compare. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has waiting for his children. Tears will be wiped. There will be dry eyes. You understand? If we cry, it's going to be tears of joy. Justice will reign forever for real. Holy justice will flow from the throne of God. And that is the promise to his children. We are heirs. What's coming to Jesus Christ is also coming to us also because we are joint heirs because we are part of the family. We are not orphans that have to earn our way. It's already been paid for by Jesus Christ. You are a child of God indeed. It's the Ville Church. Pastor Jay, I love y'all. Thank y'all for rocking with me this morning.
You already know what it is. Shout out to Christopher Clark for letting us do this thing in front of his artwork. Peace, y'all. Love y'all.